I'm right. I know I'm right. How can they not see this? They just don't get it. How many of you felt that same frustration, that same angst that you get when you're faced with a confrontation, a disagreement, where you're looking at the facts, the logic, the analytical side of the equation, and it just doesn't add up? Brace yourselves. This may be uncomfortable, but today we're all going to take our egos and gently set them to the side. Today we'll talk about perspective. We all have a unique view on the world. All of our lives have been different, our views different, our experiences different, not like anyone else's. Sure, we'll have similarities, but there will always be differences. And in order to navigate this world, we must learn and understand how to set aside our egos, forget about being right, and instead seek understanding and perspective. Today, that's what we will discuss. Episode 17 of The Greatness Blueprint starts now. Now, as we dive in today, I want to start off with talking about ego. And why are we talking about this today? You know, as I've started on this podcast journey, a lot of the topics that I initially started out on were topics that I thought people would want to hear about. And then I would work backwards into creating an outline of a podcast that made sense. As time has gone on, I've realized that it's more impactful when I'm able to talk about things that are happening real time in my life. Things that I'm dealing with this week or last week or very recently in order to share and reflect and connect with those of you who are listening. And so this week I was faced with a challenge, which we'll get into a little bit, that tested me and my ego. And as I mentioned early on in the podcast intro, we want to set our egos to the side today. I know it's going to be tough, myself included, but allow ourselves to look at it from a different lens, look at it from a di different perspective. And so as we start today, I want to lay the foundation for, for ego, right? And I want you to think about what's an image you see when you hear the word ego? For me, it's somebody who's very self-interested, right? I see it in my own head as someone with, you know, all this self-interest, a negative connotation, someone who doesn't care about others, somebody who's so into themselves that they can't even see out of their own tunnel vision. And I think often that's also how society sees someone with an ego. It's a label. But I think it plays an important role in who we are as people. If we don't have some level of ego, some level of what I would refer to as self-esteem, confidence, courage, tenacity to get through difficult times, challenges, if we don't have ego, we don't get through those moments. And so for me, that's the way you can spin ego to say it's positive. You have to have some level of that. But it can also be negative. All right, so on the negative side, ego is a level of self-interest. 
And I think when you use it to propel yourself, when you use ego to propel yourself to be better, to be great, to continue to refine the things that you're working on, I think ego is powerful. But when it's used for wrong, right? When it's used to compete against another entity, another person, to try to prove that you are right in a situation, to try to win a disagreement or an argument, what are you doing in that situation? In reality, you're creating a us versus them mentality. I am better than them. I am more right than them. I am going to die in this sword. And that's not a healthy way to use ego. And it's important to balance it, right? We don't want to let our own self-interest control us to the point that that's all we care about is us, right? But like I said earlier, we can balance it out to say, is it driving my own self-esteem? my courageousness in these tough moments. But I'm also balancing it to say when I'm working with other people, when I'm talking to other people, am I also stepping outside of my own viewpoint, my own lens on the world to ensure that my ego isn't dominating a given conversation? And so the crux of this whole topic today comes out of a recent work situation. And, you know, this past week, I was taking some time off, spending some time with my daughter. She had parent-teacher conferences, wanted to spend some quality time. And during that time, I received a email from my boss. And to lay the background a little bit, my boss had gone to visit one of my clients and they had feedback about me and my team. And this client has been one of my clients for many years, five years. And a couple of years ago, we set out to continue to improve the relationship. We had identified proactively a need for further engagement with this client, heightened level of service, additional projects that we wanted to complete to better their lives and ours as well. And so we set out on this journey. We set up governance around meeting with this client. We set up structure around the reporting out to them. And we dedicated a team to focus on their needs. Over those two years, we made great progress. We were able to click off a lot of the initiatives that we set forth. We were able to enhance and operationalize a lot of automation within my team to allow our teams to better serve that client in an automated fashion. And if we looked at it from our viewpoint, the client was in a great state. We had done more than we do for other clients in many regard, and yet still there was a gap. We would go into these monthly conversations with them and there was still a level of unhappiness. 
right? We set out a specific list, list of projects and we said, you know, can we agree that once we complete these projects, we'll be steady and you'll be happy. And as a result, our relationship will be solid. We did that. We completed those projects. And yet there was still a lingering level of unhappiness. We were confused. It got to the point where every month we would come to these conversations and they would have additional items to add to the list. A level of scope creep that I've never seen before. And it made us feel like, do they even want to be happy? We continued on with what we were doing. We continued to click projects off the list, complete things on their behalf, with the expectation that eventually we would get to a place of satisfaction. In return, they continued to be unhappy. And it all came to a head this past week when my boss went out to visit them. We expected that they would have a level of unhappiness. But they voiced things that about 90%, my initial reaction was, no way. There's no way. I disagree with, with all of these notes. And it was a hit to my ego. Because I believe so much in my team and what we do and what we offer that I can't believe that all my other clients where we're doing the same thing and here, this client where we're going above and beyond, they're still unhappy. And I could have continued to die on that sword, right? I could, you know, take it to the point where I'm driving this team into the ground and saying, you know what? We stand by the work we do. I disagree with everything you say. But that's an egotistic way to tackle the situation. And in reality, that's not a way to solve it. And it hurts for me to do it, to say, you know what? We accept the feedback and now we have to move forward. And so that's what I want to talk about today, right? That frustration, that, you know, feeling that you have inside of injustice, that, that desire, that need to be right. We all have it in us. We all want to win. It's just a matter of, can you step outside of your own viewpoint, your own lens, your own perception of the world to see a different perspective? And so we haven't solved this problem with the client. We still will go out there in a few weeks. But I'm not coming into those conversations with the goal of being right or winning. I don't want to push this further into a negative place. And if I was to do that, it would. And so it's on me to say, you know what? Let me find the truths in what they're saying. And I can only do that if I put my ego to the side, look at their perspective on the situation, and move forward. 
And I, you know, I take this a little bit further back to, you know, where, where is this coming from? Right? Where is this sense of I need to be right coming from? And, you know, if I think back to, you know, my childhood and, and growing up, I was very involved in sports. And I think through that, I always created this mentality that I want to win. I want to be the best of the best, whether it was basketball, football, track, baseball. I wasn't okay just being mediocre. And that created this level of self-esteem, this level of confidence that I could win. And it carried into all things in my life. Board games, you better watch out if we're playing Monopoly. You're going down. And I think when it's used for, for good like that, to propel yourself in your own life to be better and to, to win, I think it's a really powerful and important part of who you are. But when you take it to the other side and say, all right, now I'm in a situation where I'm dealing with someone else, whether it's a work situation, a relationship, You don't want to win those arguments because then someone loses. And instead, what you should look for is how can we come out of this where we both get a benefit? We're both better off for the conversation we had. There's some mutual understanding of the other side. That, that is the true win. And so if you're dealing with the same thing, you're also coming from an athletic background and you've always had this innate desire to win, I would urge you to reflect on your own personal relationships and work relationships. Are you taking that mentality into those situations? I know for me, I, I definitely am often. And sometimes it takes a major hit to your ego to reflect and say, I need to look at that. I need to be better. I need to step out of my own tunnel vision and look at someone else's perspective. So the next segment here, what I want to talk about is acceptance, right? And to me, acceptance is almost on the opposite side of the spectrum of ego. And it allows you to see a situation for what it is outside of your own views, your own perception of the world, and accept it for what it is, for what it truly is. And it can be used in a couple ways, right? If I think back to this recent situation with, you know, my work colleagues, I could have said, you know what? I do not accept the feedback and continued to push and say, look at all the things we're doing. How are you not happy? And what I'm missing is that I miss accepting that their perception, their view on the world is different from mine. And so I should have to accept that. I need to accept that. 
And another story I want to tell, kind of on the same vein, but with a different topic, goes back to one of the things I talked about in one of my earlier podcasts. But if we go back to my college years, I played football at Idaho State. And, you know, my freshman year, we had a coaching staff. We had a really tough year. I think we only won one game. And so that coaching staff, my freshman year, was fired. And I was a walk-on, a preferred walk-on. So I had come down there. You know, that staff knew me pretty well. I had come down there for some high school football camps, and they asked me to come and walk on with the team. And as the year had progressed my freshman year, I started to play more. And they told me that I was on track for a scholarship. Right? I was working very hard. I think I was one of the only freshmen at the time that was a walk-on that was was playing on the team. So, you know, I felt like I had earned a lot to get that scholarship. Then that staff is fired. And I'm starting from square one. And so we go into the spring ball. You know, I think this is 2011 at this point. Spring ball. And we have a new coaching staff. All new people, all new offensive scheme. You know, everything's changed. And as you can imagine, you know, going from an old coaching staff to a new coaching staff, there were some, some people on the team who left. There wasn't a recruiting class that was in yet. And so we were pretty light during spring ball. We were so light, in fact, that there was no depth at receiver. And so I played every single snap of every scrimmage, every practice, every one-on-one -on -one drill. I played every snap at receiver. And in my mind, that was what needed to be done to get myself a scholarship, right? I wanted to prove myself with this new coaching staff. And I thought I did. Look at all the, the reps I took. Look how better, how much better I got from beginning to end of spring. I was proving myself. And so I walk away from spring ball feeling pretty good about myself. You know, I go into the summer and I, I stay in town to, you know, work out with the team, continue to get stronger. You know, I meet some of the new guys who are coming in to, to play under the new, the new staff. And, you know, they had targeted a fair amount of receivers. I think there were at least six, six guys coming in, all the guys of the new staff. And if anyone's faced a similar situation, when you're not their guys, when you're the old staff's players, it's, you're a second tier citizen, right? You're not the preferred guy. If they go out and recruit these people and bring them in and those people don't play over someone like me, that's almost a reflection on them as coaches, right? They weren't able to recruit good guys. And so, as we move into fall camp, I was expecting, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll be 
second on the depth chart. I can understand a couple guys being ahead of me, you know, but I walk into the meeting room. I look up at the whiteboard and I see all the names of the receivers in the room. There's probably 15 of us and there's three positions. So I think, you know, five people deep at every position. There my name was at the bottom of the list. Last on the depth chart. All that work I'd put in in the spring, gone. Gone. I was disheartened, to say the least. And my ego took a hit that day. And I could have given up there. I could have said, you know what, I'm going to fight this. I disagree with you, coach. How could you put me at the bottom? I could have complained. I wanted to. I wanted to. But I didn't. I took a minute to, you know, pause. I took a couple days to let it soak in. Accept. Accept that I was now bottom of the barrel. But also recognizing that that's almost where I thrive. Count me out. Count me out. Because I've done it before. I've been counted out as a kid, you know. And I had always risen to the challenge. And this was no different. So I accepted that I was at the bottom of the barrel. And I put in the work. I learned my lessons. Right. In order to prove yourself that you're better than everyone else, you have to go the extra mile. And so the things that I wasn't good at at the time, I said, you know, what am I missing? I wasn't the best blocker. All right. I need to focus on my effort in blocking. Right. Some of my routes weren't as crisp as they could be. I'm going to focus on running the most crisp routes on the team. Leaning into some of those things that maybe I would have otherwise overlooked if I had been higher up on the chart to begin with. And so it's this constant balance, right? This pendulum of, I need ego. I need that self-esteem, that courage. If I didn't have it in this situation, I could have given up and walked away from the team. But I knew deep down that I was better than that. But also acceptance to say, this situation is what it is. I can't change it. I must move forward regardless of my view on it. I have to step outside of my own perception that I should be higher. See it from the coach's perspective and say, all right. This is what I'm faced with. These are the things I can improve with. I can take the feedback. And I can come out better on the other side. And so as you think about situations like this in your own life, think about ego and acceptance as a pendulum, right? If you get too overweighted on ego, your self-interest becomes too inflated. You're losing sight of other things to continue to improve. You're overlooking areas that maybe you aren't great. 
But then if you shift too much and you're just accepting everything that comes your way, but you're not actually courageous or have enough self-esteem to overcome it, then you become too overweighted on the acceptance side of the pendulum. So as you go through life, there's going to be moments where you're continuously having to rebalance. But ensure that you're also seeking out both sides. You know, and as we move on to the next section here, I want to talk a little bit about ego in personal relationships. And at least my view on some of the mistakes I've made in relationships because of my ego. And if I think back to these times, in the moment, I thought I was very right. I thought I'd won the argument. I'm a very logical person, very analytical. When I get into these types of disagreements, arguments, whatever it is, I instantly hit it with logic. Here are all the facts. These facts mean X, Y, Z. It's black and white. There's no gray area. That doesn't work. That doesn't work in relationships. Not always. And so if I think back to a specific relationship, often there would be disagreements, right? And I hadn't had a ton of relationship experience. But in this particular relationship, there was a high level of emotion on her side and me with my logic. And we would get into these disagreements and her initial reaction would be to lead with emotion. And I would counter with logic. And, you know, if I, I think back to my, my earlier analogy about sports and the desire to win at this time in my life, you know, I was in my mid twenties, early to mid twenties. I wanted to win these arguments too. I didn't want to let my ego take a hit, say that I was wrong in a given situation. The facts prove that I'm right. But in those situations, what I ended up doing is dismissing emotions. And when you're in these types of arguments, right, where you meet emotion with logic, it's like you're speaking two different languages. If someone's speaking English and someone's speaking Spanish, and they just continue to raise their voice, that doesn't solve the problem. It's the very similar thing with, with arguments. If someone's leading with emotion and you're leading with logic, it's two different languages. And so in order to navigate the situation, what I should have done in hindsight, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's something you have to reflect on and say, man, I was probably wrong in these situations. When there is emotion involved, when there is logic involved as well, you have to validate the other side. Validate that the emotion that they're feeling is legitimate. Because it is. That's their lens on the world. That's their perception of the situation. You cause some level of emotional damage in that situation. And that has to be validated. 
also on the logical side, facts are the facts, right? And it's, it's okay to validate that that's true. But nothing in the world is, is black and white. Everyone in the world has a different perception of every situation. And so the superpower here is to say, I understand that my perception is what it is. But in order to navigate this appropriately, I have to look at a different perspective. The perspective of this other individual was that there was emotional parts of that disagreement. And I have to be okay with that. What caused that emotion? It could have been some of the facts that were part of my logical argument. But unless I'm open to saying, I understand that you're emotional, let's talk through it. I'm dismissing something that is very real for the other person. And so, you know, I feel like I'm someone who has a decent level of emotional intelligence for the most part. I can read people pretty well. And, but one flaw of myself that I've identified is that when you get into these situations where you're trying to prove that you're right, you get tunnel vision. You forget that, you know, the other person is having an emotion and instead you're just laser focused on being the one that wins the situation. And so for me, it's important to pause, reflect and say, all right, am I thinking about this? If I was in the shoes of the other person, let me think about how that would make me feel if, you know, I was dealing with a similar situation as they were. And it allows you to connect on a different level and then come back with logic. So, you know, it's easier said than done, right? Often you're in the moment with these things and it's hard to say, oh yeah, my ego is, is taking over. Step aside. And so some practical tips to kind of help balance ego and acceptance is, is one, just know your triggers. Right, a level of self-awareness to say, what are the things that get me? What are the things that I know if I get into that situation, I'm going to have a negative reaction. I'm going to, you know, lash out or I'm going to retreat. For me, it was, you know, some of my triggers were simple. It was, you're wrong. You're in the wrong. And I couldn't accept that that was my trigger, but it is. And so knowing that allows me to say, someone's indicating that I'm wrong. All right. I know that that's a trigger for me. I know it's something that I have a hard time getting over. But let me take the truth from it. Let me take the truth from it. Another proactive way to deal with ego versus acceptance is to really as part of active listening, repeat back what the other party is saying. So if there's a given situation, right? And let's just say you're in a disagreement. You had 
said something and maybe you didn't follow through with it. And as a result, there's a disagreement with your partner. And your partner voices their frustration and you hear it a certain way, right? You hear what they're saying through your perception of the world. But as you deal with that, you're trying to step outside of your view, right? Step outside of your lens and hear what they're saying. What I found to be a very positive way to approach listening is repeating back what you heard. And more often than not, what I've experienced is that what I hear is not exactly what they were trying to say. Right? And if we don't exercise that, we get to the point where they're saying something and they're saying, why don't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you're not asking those clarifying questions or repeating back what they're saying in your own words with your own perception of the world. Third is validation before you move forward. As I talked about earlier, when emotion and logic meet, if there's not a level of validation in between, there's going to be continued disagreements. And so one way that I've found to navigate that situation is when there's emotion, validate, meet the emotion with an emotional validation. And then say, now that we're on that same page, that same level, move to more logical. And I heard a great analogy about this when a lady came into a store and she was visibly upset. She had purchased a nice coat. Turned out that the coat had a rip in it. And she comes in yelling, how could this be? I paid hundreds of dollars for this coat. I need this resolved right now. The manager comes over. He immediately meets her with that emotion. You're so right. I can't believe that this would happen. We'll get this fixed for you right away. Right? You meet the emotion with the emotion. And then you resolve it. Last is, is feedback. Right? Feedback is a two-way street. And we have to recognize that when we receive feedback from someone, it is from their lens of the world. Right? It's not our lens. And it allows us to step outside and say, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way before. I was going about my, my day-to-day viewing it from my own perspective, my own perception of the world. And this is a different way to look at it. If we don't, we're not able to see some of those things in ourselves. Right. And so often if you get feedback from someone, it's, it's them caring enough to say, you know, my view is that there's something that you're falling short on. And even if you don't think it's true, even if you end up, you know, getting to the point where you say, you know what, I hear the feedback, I disagree with it. And here's why I think it's important to go through that exercise. 
You know, and as we move on to the next segment, I want to talk a little bit about some more real life situations where you may deal with this ego versus acceptance principle, right? And, you know, I think that there's a few different situations. It could be workplace dynamics. It could be your family. It could be friendships and even, you know, some parts of stress during conflict resolution. One example that I think of is in the workplace. There's this concept of a loud worker and a quiet worker. A loud worker is someone who shouts from the rooftop. This is what I'm doing. Look at me. My clients are super happy. Look at all the good things that I've done. Look at my team. Versus a quiet worker who gets the work done, supports the team in the background, lets the team lead, right? Lets the team show themselves not someone who's all about rah-rah mentality. I think about that often. Because if I was to label myself in the workplace, I would say I'm more of a quiet worker. And I think sometimes it can be tough for me because I'm not overly egotistical. I'm confident in the work I do. But I'm not trying to go shout from the rooftops. This is what I've done. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at my team. I don't like that. And I see people doing that all the time. And what hurts for me is that those people often get a lot of recognition just because they are the most vocal. And so it's this constant balance of, of wanting to operate in silence, be somebody who does good work, but doesn't have to shout about it. Work stands for itself. But also making sure that my team gets the recognition they deserve. And this is that pendulum, right? This is that pendulum of ego versus acceptance. If I don't step outside of my own comfort zone and say, you know what? I have to accept that there's some level of uh, loud worker that's necessary to ensure that your team is recognized. But also enough balance there to say, you know what, I'm not going to shout from the rooftop. It's not about me. It's not about me and my team. It's about, do we do good work? Let the numbers prove themselves. I think another example of <clears throat> where a level of ego can be a good thing in the workplace is pushing boundaries. And I worked in a tech company for the last 10 years, right? We've grown really quickly. We went public a couple of years ago. And, you know, in the early days, you know, 10 years ago, it was very wild west. You'd come up with an idea, you'd chase it, you'd run after it, you'd, you know, kind of pour your heart and soul into it and you'd make change. As we've grown as an organization, we've become a little bit more corporate. And as a result, you also get this level of groupthink 
you have a, a organization of 2000 people and a lot of people that just want to kind of plot along do the things that we've always done for the last 10 years and that doesn't create continued innovation so i sat in this meeting with someone a month ago at this point and we were talking about a specific problem a problem that i was very passionate about needed to be solved not in the way we'd been doing it for the last 10 years. And I sat there with this person. And we basically argued the entire time. Very unproductive conversation. But that uncomfortability was driven by my desire, my own self-esteem that what I was talking about was important. I could have accepted that and stick, taken a step back and said, you know what? You're right. We should just do it how we're always doing it. You're right. That 30-minute conversation led to additional conversations with higher-level individuals within the organization. It was agreed that the viewpoint I had taken was legitimate. And change was made. This is a small example, right? A small change. But there are going to be times when you're faced with something and you have two choices. You accept it for what it is or you have so much conviction in what you do, so much self-belief, this level of ego that's almost necessary, this tenacity there's something more out there. And I think of people like Elon Musk, right? Jeff Bezos, all these people who have done incredible things. It's because they've challenged the norm. It's not because they've agreed. It's not because of groupthink. It's because they had a crazy idea. They believed in themselves and they continue to chase that feeling. And so it's a balance. It's a balance of saying, you know what? I understand that I'm not always going to be right. But when you know deep down that there's something that you have enough courageous tenacity to tackle, don't give up. That's when I would expect the ego versus acceptance pendulum to be a little bit more weighted towards the ego. Next example I want to talk through is family dynamics. Right. And to kind of frame this, I would think of, you know, maybe marriage as an example, or even just a relationship. And this concept of keeping score. I would be willing to bet that many, if not all of us, have been in a relationship in which the other party was keeping score, if not yourself. I did the dishes, it's your turn to do the dishes. I did the laundry last time, get your ass off the couch and do your laundry. That is saying that I am better than you. And because I did X, Y, and Z, 
my ego is inflated to say this self-interest of mine. I need you to do something else. I need you to do the laundry because I did it last time. That's one way to handle it. I've never seen that be successful. And I think this concept of keeping score or winning that situation can be detrimental to any relationship. And so a different way to frame it is to say, you know what, I understand that I have done the laundry. That is my view on the world. But what's happening on the other side? What's the view of the other party in this relationship? What's their perception? Maybe they had a busy week at work. Maybe they're stressed out about some bills that need to be paid and they're working hard to make sure that that happens. Maybe they've been down on themselves. They haven't been able to get to the gym and you know their, their mental health is, is declining. Instead of jumping to keeping score, I encourage you to look at it from a different way. What's the other side of the relationship experiencing? How can I be open to that? And sure, maybe I, I, you know, I need their support in some of the household chores, scheduling date nights, whatever it is. But set the ego to the side and say, sure, I did the laundry. But that's what I would do anyway if I was on my own. Now I just need to meet them where they are and then come back from a logical perspective and say, you know what? I understand now that you've been stressed out. How can I help you get through that stress so that you can get back to a place of equilibrium and we can work together on some of the chores around the house? And to piggyback off of that idea, I think often that we get into these situations where there's a level of stress involved, right? It could be the family dynamic. It could be even just you come home from work, right? And work trails with you. You get a tough email, right? If you, if you think back to the example earlier in this podcast of the email I got about my unhappy client on my day off, shame on me for reading my email on my day off, but I did it anyway. And, you know, as I read that email, I got stressed. I got stressed. And as I was reading that email, my daughter was in the background, you know, trying to get my attention, trying to play with me. And because of the stress, I was a little less tolerant. A little less willing to step outside of my own view, to see what she was asking me about. And I think this can happen with stress is that it, it clouds our vision. It clouds our vision and our ability to see another perception of the world. I'm stressed. All I can see is this client email. I, I don't want to deal with anything else, anything else that happens to me, anyone else asking me to see their view on it. I can't. I'm tunnel vision. 
And I know there's been studies done to say, you know, it looks, it's, it's true. When you're under stress, your brain functions in a different way. You're not able to be as tolerant as you would if you weren't under stress. And that plays into this idea of ego versus acceptance. When you are under stress, it's more likely that your ego will be at the forefront of the way you think. Your self-interest. Ensuring that you get through that stressful situation and win it. And so knowing that, when you get into these stressful situations and being able to say, you know what, I am stressed. I need to take a minute and pause. A moment to take a breather and, and come back to the situation once I'm feeling less stressed will allow you to navigate it more appropriately. Last segment here. I want to talk about the six things that are most important as you think about ego acceptance and viewing different perspectives. And the first is this idea that, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of a reality check. One of those moments where you do take the ego hit. You say, man, that hurts. It really hurts. But my view on the world, my perception, I now understand that that is not the whole truth the ultimate truth. Everyone's reality is different. And so sometimes you need that little shake to help you step outside of your own view on the world. Second is the power of pause. I would guarantee that all of us have been in situations where we said something that we regretted. And often that's because we didn't take a moment to, to pause, gather our thoughts, Think about, you know, maybe the perspective of the other individual. And as a result, we did harm. Either to our personal relationship, ourself, our own, you know, our own personal brand. We said something we regret. And I'm willing to bet that if we were to pause instead, you're never going to look back and regret not saying something in the moment like that. But you will if you lash out and say something too quickly. Third is empathy leads the way, right? It can be difficult when you're under a stressful situation to see the other viewpoint, the emotions of the other individual, the other perception. But if you're willing to step outside of your own view of the world, your own lens of the world, see the emotions for what they are, whether it's sadness, frustration, anger, validate that. Say, you know what? I understand that you're feeling angry. I apologize that my actions led to that anger. That's not how I intended them to be. You validate the emotion and then you can move forward with it the conversation. Fourth, and I think this is one of the biggest ones that I try to deploy in every aspect of my life, is the assumption of positive intent. I think if we get too much weighted into the egotistical side of ourselves, 
Often we can assume that someone's out to get us. Can't believe they did that. What the heck is going on here? What if we assume positive intent? Said, oh, you know, they're saying that because they care about me. And, you know, maybe I need to take a look at that. That's an assumption of positive intent. And that allows you to say, you know what? I don't think anyone's really out to get me. It's just we have different views on the world. And so can I step into their view under the assumption that they are acting in good faith? Fifth, and this is a very important one, it's not about winning. As I talked about earlier in this podcast, when you're dealing with a situation that is centered around yourself, right? If you're trying to be the best football player on your team, you're trying to, you know, become better at chess. And so you practice really hard. Maybe you're trying to be the best weightlifter in your weight class. Maybe you're trying to improve your art skills and want to get into an art studio. You need a level of self-confidence and ego to navigate those situations. Winning there is good. But when you step out and you say, you know, now I'm, I'm not dealing with just me. I'm dealing with another person, another group. You don't want to win. Winning is different. Winning isn't you coming out on top. Winning is, how can we both move out of the situation with the best possible outcome for both of us? Right? Meaning, maybe in a personal relationship, you heard the other side. They needed something that you weren't giving. Maybe you aren't doing the laundry. Maybe it's, there isn't a structure in place. And so you don't really know kind of what you're doing and when. And so you come out of it and say, you know what? Let's put a calendar together. And every, every other day, I do the laundry. And we have it on the calendar. That's a way to say, you know what? I recognize that you have certain requirements and needs. And now I get what I needed because I didn't have a structure in place that told me what I needed to do or when I needed to do the laundry. And the other person in the relationship gets the split laundry time. You both win. The last is to embrace humility. None of us are perfect. We all have areas that we can improve our lives. Right? I know that one of my flaws is I continue to lead with logic and analytical sides in arguments. And I want to solve arguments as soon as they happen. I want to work through the facts and solve it. And I understand after self-reflection that that is a fault. That is a limitation or something that I don't do well. And so being able to reflect and say, you know what? This is something that I need to improve on. Taking it for what it is, putting your ego to the side, I think is a powerful way to navigate the situation. As we wrap up here today, I want to leave you with a quote. True strength lies not in asserting our own perspective without question, but in our willingness to listen, 
accept, and grow from the diverse perspectives around us. I challenge you all today, take a step back. When you feel your ego surging, listen, reflect, and approach situations with an open heart and mind. Thank you all for tuning in today. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And as always, stay on your path, stay inspired, and above all, stay great. We'll see you soon.